This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today. I'm Chris McCarty. And I'm Robbie Greenfield. And this is the Extra Time Podcast. Matthew Fortune joins us in studio. Um, you've been parachuted in as the kind of outraged replacement for Chris <laughs> McCarty in all things European Super League. Are you going to be suitably outraged? Because Chris was sat opposite me in that seat. And to say that he was spitting feathers <laughs> and frothing at the mouth while discussing the European Super League is something of an understatement. Yeah, the angry emoji has never been used so frequently <laughs> on his social media, yeah. has it, for old Chris? Uh, yeah, I mean... Can I add anything more than the personal touch of, of being an Arsenal fan that hasn't been said by, as you said in your in your tea up there, 99% of the feedback so far? No, probably not. What I can say is he's going to have to stop introducing me as Arsenal fan Matt Fortune because I think my allegiance has to lie now with Al Nasser, Shabab al I like what you've done there. Or so, somebody well, else. Because that is the big question. Because obviously the... Um, the somewhat disparaging reference to quote-unquote legacy fans <laughs> has annoyed... I mean, a lot of things have annoyed a lot of people about this whole thing, this whole charade and some of Florentino Perez's comments, which we are going to get to in a few moments' time, have rankled today. I know that much because he has been somewhat unapologetic about the developments. But this kind of whole idea that you've got these legacy fans, quote-unquote, and these kind of new-fangled kind of fans of the future who... They probably support three clubs based on where their favourite players play. They have dwindling attention spans. Um, they watch match highlights as opposed to attend matches. They're, they're still supporting the club from a revenue standpoint. They still put money into that club and spend money on merchandise and what have you. But they're not passing down that fandom from generation to generation. No. They're not the guys that were on the, the terraces from 40, 50, 60 years ago. These legacy fans who are the ones that I think are most hurt by this news, have been um, probably somewhat made to realise their current sort of current standing in the game. And actually, in many ways, is this not just a notification that their standing has been diminished for quite some time now? Yeah, I don't think they needed any more signals. You need only look at Arsenal, most expensive season ticket in the country, the, the, the corporate band that sits around the stadium. It's long stopped being a place where you could wake up on a Saturday morning and think, oh, do you know what? I'm going to go and watch the Arsenal now. You've got to be on a membership application process. I've been a silver member at Arsenal for about 20 years and you have to pay 70 quid for the privilege of having first dibs on paying 70 more quid for a ticket when you want to go. The the, the time of, of football being the sort of thing that you would go to with your, with your son, with your family, has unfortunately long since passed. And this is feels like something that has been coming over the horizon for a number of years. It's just a shame that they're doing it without any real consideration for what sport means. I mean sport isn't just about the the spectacle of one singular game i love arsenal because they are a soap opera i love it when we're rubbish because you feel something i love it when we not that i really remember when we were great i loved it when we were great but you know what i mean <laughs> those it's heady days those heady days of 20 odd years ago listen I'm, I'm very fortunate to be a fan that's managed to see my team in europe for the best part of two decades but you don't realize what it means to be a football fan yet yeah, a lot of money is going to be spent and, and these guys at the top are not to play devil's advocate at all but the money is in the asian market the american market the flying them out for the one-off because i haven't bought a shirt in years 
I buy a program when I go. It's the people that buy every single shirt, they invest in every single thing that they're trying to target through this process. But that's not what sport is really about. It's an American model of picking them up and moving them somewhere to where they would go. The best thing about being a sports fan is the emotional roller coaster on going through it. I'm quite glad that I don't support a team that wins something all the time. It'd be nice to win a little bit more frequently than we have done in the last 15 years. But it's about, you know, I spent a day going to Belgrade to watch us against Red Star Belgrade much more so than I would do to go and watch us against Barcelona or Real Madrid because that's where the emotion is it's seeing something new that the power of away fans I went to Olympiacos I've been to Sweet like all of those little places is what it means to be a sports fan going over land and sea as the song goes and Leicester is how it finishes you go to these unique little places to feel something and and if you were playing the same teams over and over again, there's no competition, no emotion, no anything there. And it's uh, and it's those fans that I think are the ones who talk about it and speak about it with the passion, hopefully I'm trying to articulate here, that actually make sport what it is. It's not the people that, that throw money at it. But do those same fans have the power to enact actual change? Do they have the power to stop this thing going ahead? It certainly feels like it from the last 48 hours. I've got to be totally honest. I saw Martin Samuel's exclusive on the mail online and I scrolled right past it because I thought, hang on a second, we've heard this six, eight yeah. months ago. We, we've heard it before. And then all of a sudden you actually realize this is a serious thing. And then very, very quickly, the mobilization of every man and his dog to say this is absolutely ridiculous yeah. flags outside liverpool L- lfc rip outside anfield that's a working class club same outside the emirates stadium at the moment marcus rashford i mean everybody's got a say on it so i actually think because of the n- the negative press that has been associated with it 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 should hopefully crumble managers coming out against it players coming out against it a, a Prime Minister that should probably be talking about other things coming out against it. Everybody the is running coming out against it the as well. Coming out We've really mobilised. <laughs> the UK have really brought out the big, the fine China, as they say. No, they 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 really haven't. And I do think if you look at it from a fan level, if the sixty odd thousand that you know, imagining there were fans in the ground, if the sixty thousand saw them because they were the legacy fans, you know, we're not going to go next week. They'd still get half a capacity full. Because people would go for a corporate because it's a good day out because tourists in London in any other normal time would go to the game. So you you wouldn't see an immediate stoppage of it being an entity. But I think over time when you lose the magic of away fans, when you lose the magic of people that know all the chants that go, that create that atmosphere, it would very quickly fall away. This is Extra Time. This is a story that's just going to run and run. I've got a feeling and so many potential permutations as to the continued participation of teams that are pledging to join this European Super League in UEFA-led competitions. I mean, three of the semi-finalists, Matt, of this <laughs> European Super League are in the Champions League semi-finals, which is, um, could be PSG defaulting on that one, yeah. um, which, is, which is extraordinary. Um, <laughs> it really is. Dev has been in touch. He says, a lot of emotions. How did we end up here? It's a great question. UEFA, big stick systems. Uh, did you guys know even know what was the name of the UEFA president? Restructure the Champions League. Throw away that draw box. Let's seed the teams and expand the whole thing. I mean, my argument with the, the expansion idea, and I was really, along with Chris, very dead against the idea of a 48-team World Cup because I feel like it dilutes competition mm. to enable everyone to partake. It's almost like a come-one, come-all. That, that elite kind of nature of top-level football. The World Cup finals is the World Cup finals for a reason because it's difficult to qualify for it. 
if you make it easy to qualify for it, yeah. why bother having a drawn-out qualification progress? I mean, that that's another conversation, but that's the way UEFA were going. And I think in all of this, like UEFA need to take some responsibility for not being the greatest custodians of the sport, along with FIFA. You know, for them to throw their arms up now and the Premier League, <laughs> there is certainly, it's very easy to kind of point out the hypocrisy of these organisations who have done a lot to bloat the sort of yeah. m monetary kind of obsession that has sort of really started to dominate football, particularly in the last 10 years. The game somewhat sold its soul quite some time ago. I don't feel this is about selling its soul. This, no, is, this is about is clubs' sporting. rampant pursuit of just financial gain above all else. Football sold its soul with its you know, mash consumerism. And you, you could level all of these things, like you say, at, at UEFA, but at the very fundamental core of, of still what happens is is a meritocracy of you're the best, you get into this competition, you're, you've done really... like Name the best football story of the last five years. It's Leicester City winning the Premier League and then seeing them in the Champions League. Imagine they'd won the Premier League and then it was like, yeah, qualify for this tournament that no one really cares about. It just... The, the magic of sport, while UEFA have done a, and FIFA have done a great deal to sully the reputation of the game and the people involved in it, they have still kept competition at its core. Whether or not it's bloated competition or anything else like that, it's still, you watch sport because you sit down in front of it as the first whistle goes and you have no idea what is going to happen. It's true. And that that's, Pep Guardiola has come out. And, and, and as more managers, I, th I thought Jurgen Klopp was slightly diplomatic, although he... He implied that he had no prior knowledge of but, what was going on behind the scenes, which is extraordinary. But he's in, he's under big pressure. They've removed his quotes on the Liverpool website today, the club website. His quotes from his press conference about the ESL have been removed from the transcript. Every week they publish every single quote that he says in press conferences. Amazing, I used to work in club media. I know how you do it. Sometimes the PR manager will come over and tap you on the shoulder and say, let's not put that in there, eh? And they've done it with him. They're That's under pressure. They're what? censoring their own manager. Of that course is they are. That, and a that man that Jamie Carragher says are. is the most powerful man in that football club. Um, right, questions for you to address, Matt. The alternatives for fans who don't want to continue supporting the version of football's future. I welcome further fans at Beaconsfield Town. Uh -huh. I've been a big supporter of Beaconsfield Town <laughs> in the Premier South. I'm not even sure I know the division that they're currently playing in. I do know the boss is Gary Meakin, though, however. Um, and then he'll be licking his chops because he'll be thinking <laughs> more opportunities for us without these big fish. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like there are some fans out there who are so wedded, so entrenched in their clubs that they will not be able to tear themselves away. Even if their team, but what they feel is the ultimate betrayal by going Maybe. off to join this European Super League, I feel they will continue to support it. Despite how many big fans who, who buy season tickets, who attend all the matches, how many of them will genuinely sever ties and walk away from their clubs? Listen, I'm not denying that for the first season, Arsenal, amazingly, the 10th or 9th best team in the Premier League being included, having been in one European Cup final in 20 years, I... Don't deny that that first season would probably be pretty good. We'd be playing against great teams. Second season again when there's nothing riding on it and we finish 12th out of 12 and haven't been relegated and just go back to it again and we become the Sheffield United of the European Super League. <laughs> That's after, a great way of putting after, it. No, no offence to Blades fans. That should be on, that should be on the club banner. No, no, but, the but, Sheffield United of the ESL. But uh, <laughs> very, very quickly, the, the, as I keep coming back to what makes sport so magical is you don't know what is going to happen. And you, you, you very quickly lose the emotional attachment. So I do think for a 
a great swathe of Arsenal fan, any, any fans, they would buy into it at the beginning. There would be the very principled ones. I'd like to consider myself among that that would protest against it and go to, we were saying off air there, that I, I don't think I could invest properly into another club. I don't think I could do it. Mm. I think I, I, I'm too wedded to Arsenal. You find it within yourself to support, say, Southampton. I, no, because I just don't think I could feel anything like that. The re- I, I remember my first Arsenal game, it was 1990. It was yeah. Barry Fry testimonial at Underhill. I remember it so vividly. Yeah, because you'd need to be a kid again. And you'd have to go back to that. We've all seen the videos on Twitter of a kid need walking, a Marty up, McFly style time <laughs> machine. walking up the steps and seeing the ground for the first time. That's where the magic comes. So I don't think I could invest in that. What I could probably invest in is a Phoenix club, as in the Salford club that have not Salford, sorry, that's the the Neville Brothers one, the the AFC Manchester, whatever they're called, FC United of Manchester, yeah. you know, and or AFC Wimbledon, a club very close to to where I grew up. In two thousand and four, Wimbledon folded. They uh, a Phoenix club start with trials on the local marshland near my house. And this year, they've moved back into their original home in a brand new stadium. It's taken them 16 years. That's amazing. And they're in the third tier of English football. They're in the bottom three, I think, at the moment. So they might go down they've a league. They've seen but off still, Town. They very much have done. They've seen off Kingstonian, who they leased their land from for a little bit to play. And it's an amazing story. That's where something I feel you could properly invest in. And I think what you would need, and, and the reason AFC Wimbledon worked so well, because a lot of ex-players were invested in that process. What you need is a big statement move for somebody in whichever of these clubs to say, do you know what? No, we're not going to do it. And I'm going to be a part of whatever comes back out. That's where you have to reinvest. And you're absolutely right. That's why I don't support a team because I didn't have that childhood experience. Mm. And it wasn't part of my upbringing to be introduced to a team like like it was for you and like it was for Chris and so many people who listen to the show. And now in adulthood, I can't get excited about any team. You know, even I could pick a team nominally, but I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I wouldn't feel it's in your bones. I think, and that 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 is instilled in childhood, yeah, and that's why I think. Care. Yeah, and that's why I think it will be very difficult for people to sort of quote unquote walk away. But let's uh, let's bring you up to speed with some of the latest developments that have taken place. Gary Neville, who's been one of the most outspoken, certainly in terms of viral clips, his uh, speeches against the the European Super League initially when he first found out about it, uh, covering the game on Sunday night, and also in. Monday Night Football with Jamie Carragher. He spoke eloquently about it. Can I just say, that's because Gary Neville is a fan. That is because that's not, and this is no criticism to anybody else, Gary Neville was a Manchester United schoolboy, a Manchester United legend, a fan, grew up in the area. That was a fan speaking. That wasn't a pundit trying to get Twitter views or anything like that. And I think that is probably not to give him too much credit, I think that is what has carried a great deal of the negative emotion to it. But going back to the point I said about actually the first season, probably quite good seeing Arsenal play against good teams again since we've been in the Europa League. But because you had a fan speaking like a proper fan, you could feel none of that was yeah. scripted. The way he said joke right at the end was yeah. all of the things that it, it all was, of my mates like, were saying It was like he was in a pub speaking exactly what just it was like. like a fan. And You're that's absolutely what's right. it. And of course, Sky have a vested interest in ensuring this doesn't go ahead as well, <laughs> to be cynical about it. But Gary Neville said he's actually piling pressure on Man City. He believes that it's almost like, you know, some kind of, you know, pistols at dawn type scenario now. There's a duel taking place and he thinks City are the Premier League club 
most likely to crack over the building pressure for the big six to pull out of the planned Super League. Um, he says that really it's not them. He says this isn't a civil war. He says it's a nuclear war. To be honest, though, the owners are not that worried about bad PR. They were expecting it. The job is to maximise profits. The wider good of the game is a secondary concern. He went on to say for Manchester City, they're the most likely to crack. This isn't for them. The other three will follow the lead of others. And the idea will be that once one goes, it will just crumble. Yeah, I think that's that's probably fair. That you, you need them all to be in it together. And I think that the minute the first one doesn't look at Manchester City, we've spoken at length on this show before about the foundations of, of the Manchester City football group and all the amazing things that they've been doing with, with the, the picking up of, of, of different clubs around the world, creating that foundation. They don't want, much as we joke about how much money they've been able to, to throw at this extravagant project that is working so well, they don't want a shortcut to the very top. They, no. They're much better set than everybody else. It's no surprise, really, that a lot of the noises coming from Spain are from clubs who are millions and millions and yeah. billions in debt and desperately in need of something yeah. else. Manchester City don't don't need it. They're, they're a very well-run operation. They can they can probably let this one fall by the wayside and they'll get a, a fast pass to the top of the normal footballing tree. Thank you for listening to the Extra Time Podcast. With myself, Chris McCarty, and Robbie Greenfield. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and please do give us a review. This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today.